The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? What's your, when everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, the summer wraps up with all kinds of good energy from all sorts of things, including kissing to Led Zeppelin, Izzy's Daily Cry, the newfound joy of cracking confetti eggs on someone's head, happy soccer hooligans, playing drums with grandpa, when VCRs were new, Reservation Dogs returns, and a backstage visit to the Hollywood Bowl. So, viva la fiesta! Here we go! And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody! Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. Bellelli dressed in his finest tie dye today. Yes, I've had it since I was. Uh, this tie dye is a uh, little over thirty years old. Awesome! The dye is definitely holding place because the colors are very rich, very nice. I had a good one. That we did on our first sort of Grateful Dead show, and it was probably twenty three or four years, but the collar finally gave out. Ah, uh, I'm I'm fat. I'm scared now because uh, I'll have to put it in the laundry, and uh, I'm actually this is gonna be probably delicate wash. But I'm like, uh, it, it's there's gonna come a time when it breaks apart, and I'm gonna cry. But um, well, we'll find you a new one. I Ty, never Ty found one that there. I loved as much as this one. No, it's pretty exquisite. Oh, so it's um, it's very purple. Let's your inner Prince fan out for sure. Yes. Speaking of uh, t-shirts, thank you to Shore Design T-shirts. That if you are looking for beautiful t-shirts with groovy designs, they are the masters at that, and they have been our friends for a long time. And of course, thank you to GrasslandBeef.com that keeps us well fed. So, if you guys are thinking of heading to the grocery store, take a look at GrasslandBeef.com first. See if they have what you want. It shall be delivered right to your door, and it's really high-quality stuff. They have raw packs of uh, beef and chicken for your dogs or cats. Yep, yep, absolutely. Better than the, some kibble crap that... Happy carnivores. Yes, most definitely. Oh, yeah, my... It's funny because sometimes, you know, if I'm cooking something from grassland beef, I'll uh, give a piece to Azog, who is, like, the happiest. But it's ridiculous to eat this tiny little dog that gets to eat creatures that would never ever ever be able to hunt in the wild <laughs> i mean anything bigger than a tiny mouse would be beyond this reach but like he gets to eat elk or bison or sinks where it's like yeah you're lucky that it comes in the mail my friend because you, <laughs> you would not be ever tasting this otherwise it's good to be part of a good family yes exactly <laughs> 
But um, on that note, shout outs uh, to the nice folks sending wine to keep me happy Ooh. and the drunk in the drunken Taoist, Alm Cellars and MateraWines.com. Both of those are very different wines. Both great. Both are sweet people who listen to the show, love them. So that's good stuff. Uh, and of course, let's say a thank you to the sweet folks parting with their harder money to send us a little and help us out. Let the pottering begin. So let's say thank you to Frederick Hahn, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Daniel Fischel, Ryan Marklin. Keegan Walsh, Stephen Notariani, Thomas Robinson, Lisa Robles, Nick Zunik. Well, oh, Keegan actually uh, added himself to our role of keyword developers. Did he? Sweet. Yeah. So, Very sweet. Super thanks for that. Yep, yep, yep. Beautiful. So if you want to join this brave band of heroes, paypal.me forward slash dbolellis, paypal.me forward slash first initial of my first name, the letter D, and then B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Thank you also to the <laughs> few of you who still get to use our Amazon link, which is because I think Amazon changed things around over time, so it's like less of a thing uh, they're actually charging us now <laughs> almost no not quite but uh, but yeah so if you buy anything on amazon that would be sweet if you use our amazon link other than that i think we're ready to roll excellent So, end of July, I uh, got to go to the Hollywood Bowl. Hell yeah, you did. I saw the pictures. Yes, indeed. Back there where the Beatles and everybody else in the world hung out. To check Mr. Cedric Burnside. I want to have Cedric as a guest at some point on Drunken Taoist. Hell yeah. He just won uh, Best uh, Blues Album of the Year. In um, He won a Grammy for it. Wow. So, that's not a bad thing. He started out his career as a 13-year-old kid drumming professionally for his grandfather R.L. Burnside I played uh, before recording I played a clip for Rich How cool was that? It's the real stuff. It is just so dynamic. Mm-hmm. It the groove is insane. And the drumming of a 13-year-old, he's just got it for sure. Unreal. That partic- if you guys want to check that out, that particular song that we're referring to is called Let My Baby Ride. And that's his grandfather, R.L. Burnside. But check out also Cedric work. That is fantastic. It's his own. T- he's a, he has a great story because he was a 
top-notch award-winning drummers over and over and over for many years. And somebody at some point told him, eh, you're just a drummer. And he said, fuck you. So he picked up the guitar, started learning guitar, and now that's what he does. He uh, plays and sings. And uh, the whole thing, he was like... It was a cool experience because we got to go to the green room, hang out with him beforehand. And then it was just him and this drummer going out on stage, just two of them. They must have looked tiny up there. And their sound, it felt like there were 15 people in there. It was just this overpowering, insanely strong sound. That's why one thing I suggest if you check out Cedric Music, listen loud. The the volume adds so much to the texture of this music. I noticed that every after hearing it so loud at the Hollywood Bowl, I started cranking it in the car. I'm like, oh, now it's sinking to a whole other level. So it's um And Hollywood Bowl, what a great place to see a show anyway. Yeah. But I bet as I've found, that's usually a very respectful crowd too. Yeah. Like yeah when they're yeah. playing, it's pretty quiet. People are cool. I mean, Hollywood Bowl is trippy because people go there, they eat, they drink. It's very, it's a very high-end way to see a concert. Yeah, we're always on the back row. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but still, it's, it's still nice uh, back there. No, it's cool. It's awesome. And um, Isabella under the file. Uh, Isabella needs an extra boost of confidence. Poor girl. Uh, she's super ecstatic. Having uh, the ecstatic was ridiculously nice to her. Gave her lots of attention. Uh, got the whole. So then she come when he comes out to play. We are in the audience. We watch it. She loves every second of it. And then as we are walking back to the green room, he she looks at me and she's like, ah, "I would say about ten years." I'm like, 10 years what? Ten years until I'm singing in the Hollywood Bowl and doing that." I was like. Okay, good. I'm, good to have goals. I'm glad your. Uh, I'm glad your mind is set. Did you guys get to stand stage side or any, out on? No, the... uh, pretty front. I mean, not right in the front. No, no. I mean, did you actually like... get to go out on the stage? Or yeah. Oh, and look uh, out at the at the at the seats. We did beforehand when he was yeah. just sound testing and stuff but a still, few hours prior. That's quite an angle to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So imagine it, eighteen thousand people in there. Yep. Yeah. So that was fun. The. The guy who facilitated all this, I should actually ask you if I could uh, use his name because, uh, well, there are some interesting stories regarding Drunk and Davis in the past and him. So I don't know, maybe I'll keep the name private, but he's the man. Thank you so much for everything. So, yeah, that was one fantastic experience. I had a blast. I'm off to see the Lost Lost Dog Street Band on Friday. They're playing a little club of Ventura before they go down and play, I think, the El Rey in L.A. Those guys are intense. There's something going on. The new record's a lot to unpack because it's always very heavy. Yeah. There's um, Rich sent me this song called The Using Again, which from the title you can get what it's about. Oh, yeah. He's battled it and you can hear it. It's just him and his guitar. And that's it. And man, it's powerful. Just a lot of talk that he made me the the new Hank Williams. Yeah, his voice, his energy, his his. You know, some people uh, romanticize their experiences. You can see every 
thing he has been through on his face and it, you hear it in his music. Yep. And while it doesn't make for lighthearted listening before you go on a hot date, it sure does make for powerful epic listening when you want to get into some serious emotions. Yeah, do some contemplation going in your day. Yep. And then next week we're going to go see Alison Krauss and Robert Plant. Well, hard to go. That's a great record too. If you you haven't heard that one, with Robert Plant, and they're doing three Zeppelin songs, bluegrassy. Oh, nice! I heard them. They played some festival in Ireland a couple weeks ago. It's they already know which ones. Awesome, rock and roll. Escaping me right now. Okay, that's fine. But still, can't go wrong with Zeppelin songs. On that note, the first time. the first time uh, Savannah and I ended up kissing, we, I had on an hour and a half of Zeppelin in the background. I had this whole thing. I started playing it. And so Zeppelin, has a, not only they are great, but it has an extra emotional aspect to me because it's uh, tied to extremely pleasant memories. Hell yeah. So that was beautiful. Some of the best. Makes you wonder, where'd all the metal kids go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The um, uh, speaking of his, I'll tell you something funny. So, almost every day, Isabella at some point is going to cry. It's just you can set your clock to it. It's like there's hardly a day that goes by that she doesn't cry at some point. Now, normally that would sound like a bad thing, like oh shit, this kid has problems. There's she has. I'm thinking these are going to be sympathy tears for others more than... That, herself, frustrate, all sort of emotions, right? But she is a kid who has strong emotions. She's intense. She's a teenager. She's a teenager. (laughs) At some point, she cries, right? She's done it for a long time. She continues to do it. But here is the funny part. She doesn't get stuck in it. So she feels this emotion. They rush through her. They become almost overpowering. She cries. She's done. She feels great. And by the end of the day, almost unfailingly, Is will look at me with a big smile and go like, I had the greatest day. I had such a good day. This was fantastic. And then she goes to sleep. I repeat the next day. And so it almost always ends with her being really happy, like vocally happy about her day and how good things are for her. And every day she cries. So I thought that was an interesting uh, yin-yang there going on. Grind's good, though, man. It helps you get stuff out. It does. The way she does works perfect. I'm not as good as her. I do get stuck. Like when I open the door to certain emotions that that mess me up, I have a very hard time moving on with the speed that she does. She's That way she's super healthy because, you know, she feels the shit we all go through at one point or another. She doesn't repress it, which is what a lot of people do, which is terrible for you. Bottle it up and save it for a bad time. But she also doesn't uh, hold on to it. Like, goes through her, it's done. Whereas I tend to hold on, it lingers with me a lot more. And um, so I, I look at her and I'm like, fuck, you're way better than me. And you're 13. And you're clearly, you have it in a way that's so much healthier and better than what i do so i was uh, i look at her and i want to learn i'm just like hmm how can i pick this up this is great that's fantastic yeah so that's a win and hearing a kid at the end of the day tell you 
I had such a good day. I'm so happy. It just feels so damn good because you're like, whether yeah. you have anything to do or not with it, it helps the fact that something is happening in that day that's helping her feel that way. Well, especially in this day and time where a lot of that age group is life sucks. And yeah. Our friends are, it's almost a habit. She gets pissed about that because she's like, what the fuck are you comp- like? Yeah, you could- eat every day. You live in a great place. Yeah, because some kids have it rough for real. A lot of the kids she hangs around don't have it rough. So she's like, "The fuck are you talking about?" You quit you feeling know? sorry for yourself. You're yeah. In a way, I mean, you know, then she's super nice to them and kind of hold their hand through it and all of that. But at the same time, there's a part of her that feels like, "Come on, man." Let's get on with the program. She does say, however, that most kids she knows have either a terrible or no relationship with their parents, including when their parents are actually nice people, which is a lot of them. She say they are not all bad. I mean, some parents are, but some many parents of my friends are actually really nice people. Their kids still tell me they don't feel they can talk to them. They don't have enough time with them. They don't have this uh, trust relationship where they can share the problems or stuff that's going on with them. Or they'll throw a tiny bit out there and then shut up because they... Well, at the end of the day, I feel there's... It's not a lack of trust thinking that these people are going to screw you over, but it's a lack of trust in feeling that you have to put on a mask in front of them. And, uh, and I'm like, fuck, that is terrible. That sounds like something societal. Yeah. But also, there's something that happened in the years of raising that kid that made that kid feel that way. Yeah. And again, it might not be, maybe you didn't yell at them or whack them or tell them they suck. Maybe you tell them that you love them, but but you didn't put in the time and energy with them to make them feel that you're really they are for them with them that you understand what they feel that you care about their opinions their idea some i don't know i'm making it up because i don't know what it is if but my kids came back to me with that i would be crushed yeah that would be bad right and That's like, you know it's never gonna be perfect there's always times there's of course but god that's the last thing i'd ever want to hear she said almost everybody wow say like out of all our friends he's 90 plus percent um that, what, is, what is going wrong right can't blame the internet for that one yeah so that's one where she says she keeps her mouth shut because she feels like like she's so freakishly nice to me like every day she'll tell me things about oh you know i you are this fantastic friend to me i can tell you anything blah 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 so she makes me feel super good on uh just giving me the sense that something that either I am or I do helps her a lot and make her feel good about life and all of that. So I'm like, well, can't really ask for much better than that. Nope. And, and some of it, I'm sure I've done some good stuff. Some of it is just also, I think she's good at communicating with me and she knows how to turn some things around. But either way, yeah, I have the same reaction you have, which is like, shit, this should be the the minimum bar, right? How else are you going to have a relationship with your kids? You know, of course, it's going to be like that. But then I realized that overwhelmingly people don't, including people who are smart, who are nice, and who clearly love their kids. Wow. And it's still, there's something there that 
and I don't know exactly what, like, I wish I had it as a science where I can say, oh, it's one, two, three, those, because you did these, these didn't work out. I don't know exactly what the steps are. I have a vague sense, but not quite. And, uh, and it sucks when you see it not work. Wow. I got nothing for that. That may be sad. <laughs> but at the same time, again, it also means, like, think about it. Like, I've, I think I make, a lot of mistakes in shit that I do. Um, I think I've made mistakes in raising Isabella. I think I make mistakes in pretty much every aspect of my life. So I'm not exactly like, oh, I got it, everything together, and I'm this, everybody look at me, I migrate. No, fuck that, not at all. So for me to make a bunch of mistakes, many of which I still feel like, oh, how could I be such a fucking idiot this time, that time, and that time? And somehow things still work that well with ease. And some of it is purely luck and it's all thanks to her, not thanks to me. But some of it also, I'm like, dude, maybe it's not that difficult of a job. Maybe there's something that if you, if you really put the time and energy into making a kid feel that you adore them, that you care about their happiness more than anything, that you listen to whatever they have to say, there's nothing wrong that they can say because there's always a way where we can understand each other and work through it and stuff. Maybe that's all that's needed. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's definitely hard to be a parent. Yep. No question about that. But just recently a situation that I'm aware of um, older daughter kind of 12 has a sister who's three ish and the mother pretty much holds everything he has against the father of the older one against that daughter. Oh Jesus. So the little one's the princess and this one's just left to pretty much eat shit. Jesus. I mean, and it's one of the darkest things I've seen where this and that girl's in trouble now. Of course. That is, a, well, that's atrocious parenting. So that's the, okay, all you got, start with not doing that and you're already in a good place. Yeah. And then we can work our way up from there. But when you see things like that, actually someone being treated that way and to know she's far from the only one to have these kids that do have like able parents being that upset. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, actively bad most of the time tends to be for neglect more than actively bad that actively bad of course is a ten ten thousand times worse but even just the neglect part like oh i love you honey okay get the fuck out of here because i have my stuff to do and i don't know how to talk to you because you're a kid anyway so okay bye here's some food watch some tv are those most of those parents older do you have any idea uh because I'll always be thankful that we had them early. How early? 23, 25, 27. Yeah, that's early. Uh, yeah, my guess is, I mean, not crazy older, but that they had them in their 30s. Yeah. Which is becoming a bit more the norm. You haven't been a kid in a long time at that point. Yeah. And just something about we were pretty much still toddlers ourselves. Right. It just made it easier to identify. Yeah. I had a friend, he had kids when he was 52. Yeah, that's... And there was just no... No. You can't treat these little things like adults because they're not adults. Right. And when you do, problems. Yeah. Or, I mean, you need to be able to 
you know, you can talk to them to a certain level of depth, but you also need to be playful and you need to be a kid in some way. You need to be able to enjoy the things that a kid enjoy. And Otherwise, 52, a lot of that's all gone. Yeah, that's hard. That's very hard. I'm not trying to critique anybody, just seeing it. It's uh-huh. like, wow. Today I had a flashback. I saw in the street, uh, there was a father with two kids and uh, the little girl was behind uh, riding her bike on her training, uh, training wheels and she was going about two inches per hour. Mm-hmm. She was just like taking half a pedal, stopping, looking around, going, and he's in the middle between her trying to tell her, come on. And she's like, I'm going to stop for a moment and take off my helmet. And he's like, no, you cannot ride without your helmet. And in the meantime, there's the brother up front, also a tiny kid, he's probably three. And uh, he's going on his scooter and the dad is like, hey, stop, you're coming to the corner, there's traffic. And he looks back and he's like, yeah, right. And he keeps going. And I was like, oh, this poor bastard. I remember that stuff. That part is the known glamour is known fun part of parenting. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. And they're not even teenagers yet. Yeah. That's when it gets, no, I, but all of it pretty delightful at the same time, just to be out there with them and pushing. I had, um, I think I've said it before, but uh, two, three months ago, when we were doing the heavy COVID checks out on the lawn at the Griffith, there was a guy, he had his probably three-year-old and six-year-old and they were tussling around and wrestling and having the best time. And I was like, man, you could bottle that. Oh, yeah. Because I remember those times, but I've run through them all. Yep, yeah, yeah. But just watching them interact, and that was their whole universe, and everybody was having a fantastic time, and giggles and nuttiness, and it was like, wow. It is great sometimes. It's fantastically great sometimes. It really is. It really is. It's... um... I think also depends on your personality. Age, for sure, personality plays into it. Like, I'm, I don't think I'm cut very well for little kids because uh, I'm anxiety-driven and I'm a bit of a control freak, which is like the worst combination ever to be around a kid because kids are chaotic and messy and they... Everything in every house is a death object. Exactly. They try to kill themselves on a regular <laughs> basis and all of that. So I'm... Uh, I remember Izzy was funny, like ever since she was tiny, every time I would get a drink or two in me, she liked me 300% better. Oh. Because I would ease up a little, I would be a little more playful for real, not just playful a second and then like, yes, don't do that, oh, careful about this. I would be more like laughing and she would be in heaven every time I had a drink. I was like, hmm, I sense a connection here and it's not a flattering one. <laughs> but uh, that's generally not the recipe. No, it's really There's not. Many people out there like, it was all fine until daddy started getting into the gin. No, no. Mine, is, mine is the opposite. <laughs> Hide! Because I get, beca- I, that's the thing is like many people when they drink become uh, angry drunk mm-hmm. or violent drunks or. I get, I'm like the happiest drunk you can possibly. And I also don't get drunk drunk. I get buzzed. Yeah. So I have it under control. I'm just happily buzzed and I let go of some heaviness and stuff. So I become much nicer, much more. I'm always a fact, especially How with these. even be possible? Like more I become nice. more. And every time, even to this day, sometimes when I have a drink, it's like, ah, this is so fun. And I'm like, yeah, I know why. It's because I let go of that more controlled freak vibe. And uh, <laughs> If everybody could be so lucky. 
Yeah, but of course, yeah, it, probably the solution to all your parenting issues should not be to start drinking on a regular. No, especially if it unleashes something. But even if it doesn't, it's still not good for you, no. you know. It's still <laughs> not a good idea. But yeah, Drunken Parenting, I'm afraid, is a self-help book that I'm not going to write. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're sponsored by Shortform. Shortform offers a service where you can get summaries and analysis of uh, many of the books you want to check out, but maybe you haven't had time to do so. The goal of this is twofold. On one hand, it helps you remember key lessons from books you have read, but it has been too long and you forgot half of it. And the other one is that it helps you discover new books that you may want to check out, but you're not sure about whether it's the time investment and energy investment beforehand. So this gives you a sneak peek on what you can expect. The quality of the summaries is, uh, this is not your cousin Joe barely knows how to read those telling you what he read last week. There are professional authors, PhDs. These are some of the folks writing these summaries and analysis. Shortform publishes new book guides and articles every week, and the subscribers get to vote on what books are going to be covered next. Shortform summaries are about non-fiction, because of course fiction you want to read it for the style, for the pleasure, for everything else associated with it. With non-fiction, sometimes it really boils down to ideas and concepts that have uh, actionable items there. For example, if you read a book about health, you may read it for fun, but you're also reading it because you want to learn some things that you can apply to your life. Same goes for self-improvement or finance or some of this genre. So while reading the full book, obviously there's no substitute for that. Having the summary and analysis can help you retain some of these ideas and uh, get a feel for if something that you do want to read the book cover to cover. Case in point, I just checked out a short-form summary of Guns, Germs, and Steel, which is a fantastic book. I read it a couple of times. Very revolutionary approach to history. But honestly, I read it the last time was probably 10 years ago. I don't remember 90% of it. So to have something where I can go back and quickly I can get all the key points... Uh, the author of the summary did a phenomenal job because they had uh, some of the counterpoints that have been since made by critics of the book and now Jared Diamond, the author, addressed them. So you really get, in a very short time, a sense of what the book is about, what are the key ideas, what are the what's the debate surrounding the book. That's as good as it gets. Gets you through a lot of dinner parties that way. So in light of that, to get a five days of unlimited access and an additional 20% discount on the annual subscription, join Shortform through our link shortform.com forward slash drunken. Again, that's shortform.com forward slash drunken. You get a five-day free trial and a 20% annual discount. I discovered something I'd never known about before, but I'd seen for years since we moved here. Do tell. Eggs filled with confetti, mm. eggshells. Mm -hmm. We discovered these in some little 
uh, diner one time. Like, didn't know what they were. It's four for a dollar. What did they use? Break it open. Well, I wanted for a long time because we broke it open. It's full of confetti. It's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. So last week, Santa Barbara had their um, Spanish festival. Uh Viva la festival. And along the roads, there were people with thousands of these little confetti eggs. Cacharones. I don't Mm -hmm. have that right, but it's something like that. So I was like, well, this is fascinating. I've always wondered what those are for. They're for cracking over people's heads. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. And so you go up down the street, and so it's like four for a dollar kind of thing. They're sort of plain, but somebody took the time to hollow out an egg. A fillet. A lot of these are a little broken about it, so it'll have a piece of uh, 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 um, tissue paper to hold them in. But then are like the decorated ones. Everything from baby Yodas, lots of minions, and all these little things. Those are more like. How the hell do you hollow out an egg? I mean, it's. You put a little pinhole in it and blow it out. So, yeah. So, and that's fascinating to begin with. I was like, my God, because I thought the same thing. Well, it must be the uh, egg companies providing these. No, they do it manually, year round. Man, a lot of and it started asking, you know, some of my Hispanic friends, they, they a lot of them knew all about this, yeah. And, um, so yeah, so the festival's going on. I was sort of helping with the theater, but I had to go explore, yeah. And I was after a churro as well, so um, learn more about churros too. They make churros that are more like funnel cake that we had never experienced before. So, you know, the, the normal right, one, right, sort right. of, yeah, the, yeah. The, but there you can get one sack of them, and it's sort of like they just drip the funnel cake in there, but it's the same crispiness with the awesomeness in the inside, and it's like, so I learned about churros. But while I was waiting in line for churros, this woman comes up behind me, she had two bags of these eggs. So I was like, so how does this work? Can you crack anybody in the head with it? How's it work? So you don't crack. You know, it's a little more gentle than that. I mean, people will hit people in the head of it. They probably yeah. deserve it. So chatting about it a little bit. And I was like, was it okay to do a stranger? And they're like, well, you know, you got to be wary. But yeah, occasionally you can do a stranger. And at that moment, she crushed it and threw all the confetti over me. Oh, that's funny. And I said, well, I'll never forget my first. <laughs> and it just delighted me of course of course so immediately of course now i got to get armed up for this i say now you're and ready to go didn't think it'd be a good idea to be cracking eggs inside the movie theater because they'd be sweeping that shit yeah, up till the end of time yeah. so i waited and i waited and as gretchen got off of work crack, <laughs> and she just beaming that's hilarious so the next day they had a war in that movie theater and they were still sweeping wow and I know it sounds ridiculous, but you have a smile on your face just hearing yeah, yeah, about of it. Of course, that's funny. That is just something fantastic about it. So, State Street in Santa Barbara by day three looked like it had snowed, covered in confetti, covered in confetti, and that little crack sound that you hear—you hear it all the time—and somebody just giggles afterwards. And there's just something fantastic about it. And <laughs> even in my old age, to find something that just makes you so. It's just pleasing, you know? It sure beats. Uh, I remember as a kid, I think I was in junior high, we had this thing where at a party, at a, somebody's birthday party or something, we would uh, boil, like we got a carton of eggs, so we boil 11 eggs and not number 12. Oh. Then, then you have to wear gloves because otherwise you feel it by the weight. 
So, so Russian roulette. In the, the Russian roulette, and everybody at the same time cracks one on their <laughs> head. And of course, there's no one poor bastard whose hag is the real deal. And they are not happy campers and everybody laughs. I thought it was the most sadistic evil thing ever, but yeah. It's a good way to do it, though. Yeah. Nobody with a bullet in the head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's self-induced, so it's not like somebody does it to you where you get mad at them or something, but... It's been a crazy yeah. week, week for festivals because Ventura County had the fair at the same time. So we went back because it's been three years uh -huh. since our incredible wins. And the people were certainly there. The corn dogs were certainly there. But all the exhibits of people, you know, the crafts and the photography and all, it just wasn't represented. It was probably a quarter of the entries from years gone by. Of course. I mean, it's uh, COVID is still a weird one because it's like these days, I mean, everything is open everywhere and stuff. People are getting it like there's no tomorrow though. And there's always the question of, uh, okay, this variant is not as heavy as the previous one. Mm -hmm. But there's always the long COVID question of uh, who's getting long COVID, why does getting reinfected more than once increase your odds of having long COVID and all that shit. And it's... It's not a solved mystery and we're out acting no. like everything's fine. But and, just, and just by clear. those it's being wrong, it's like clear we are not back. No, no, no. And we're probably making terrible mistakes. Yeah, there's a, I saw a statistic. Um, there apparently has been an insanely high increase in the number of deaths in the past couple of years for causes that range from all over the place. And of course, you have the... Uh, the crowd that has been highly suspicious of vaccines tend to say, well, of course, everybody got vaccinated, fucked up their immune system, and this is why. And then you have the other crowd that say a lot of this is long COVID manifesting in a bunch of different ways. Yep. Either way, it's not a happy scenario. So it's not a thing that regardless of where what people feel about this shit, which who cares? I don't even want to get into this discussion. But like the point remains... That's, yeah, COVID has played a number, not only the people who died, but also the number of people suffering from long COVID. That's really sucks. That's yeah. a lot of people. And just, I know everybody wants it to be over and I don't blame anybody oh, no, for course. wanting to get out. You got to. It's, yeah, been, yeah, it's been three years for of a lot course, of these of things. Of course, of course. And this stuff is not going to go away anytime soon where it's done. So it's... Uh, but the combination of these massive festivals, yeah, going yeah. back to school next week, yeah. I just I have a bad feeling. Yeah, it's tricky. I see, um, speaking of which, actually, there's one thing that I do want to do, I think is going to be crowd-heavy. Uh, Uzo Matli is playing in Hawaii in uh, October. Ooh. So I want to go check them out. I love Uzo Matli. Were they going to explain just one of these fields out there? No and idea. Set up a thing? No clue. So I'll ask. Uh, I spoke with Ulysses, and he said he is going to come in to play out here. So I said, come on over beforehand, and then I would love to check out the concert. Yeah. There's nothing more delightful than the sound of an approving crowd. Yep. Or to be a part of an 18,000-person sing-along. Everybody missed it. Yeah. We had a Pink Floyd cover band below at the Greek Theater the other night, and they were playing Comfortably Numb perfectly. And to hear that crowd singing along, and then it's over. That's only about 9,000 people, but that glorious sound of everybody in of unison course. having a wonderful time that we're not that terrible. No, I know. I know. It's uh, sometimes you're reminded that when you strip ideology away from people, many people can be pleasant. 
not everybody, but a lot of people. I, the majority try it's, to be decent uh, people. Yeah. I've got to think that. They're confused about some things, but yeah. they'll say the same about you. So, uh, Oh, yeah. When ideology kicks in, it's a whole different story. But uh, when you keep it to being, you know, many of these people will be the people who help you if your car is broken on the road or something, you know? So yeah. it's... Uh, but yeah, speaking of the the singing along thing, there's one thing that my dad loved, loved, loved. Every time he thought he was one of the... Have you ever seen the fans of uh, Liverpool soccer? They have this thing that there's this one song called uh, you'll, uh, you'll Never Walk Alone. Song from it's, the 60s. It's a theme song, song that they all sing at the same time. It's a theme song that, and they all, you see the whole stadium go into it. And it's, man, it's powerful. It's really beautiful. I remember a clip we had from the Beatles documentary. It was Liverpool, of course, and it yeah. was the whole stadium singing, yep. I want to hold your hand. Yep, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, mostly male. Yep. Definitely a bit drunk. Yep. But just joy. It's, oh, yeah. It's just happiness and celebration, things we could really use a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. I love stuff like that. It, it really is. It's uh, so. If you guys have never checked it out, uh, Google uh, Liverpool fans. Uh, you'll never walk alone. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It definitely is one of those things that puts a smile on your face. Ted Lasso approved. Speaking of um, put a smile on your face. So before we start a recording, you are telling me about some. Uh, Things we learned from the Drunken Taoist podcast, uh, small discipline and push-ups. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Do tell. Oh, just, I listened to somebody recommend that one is more than zero on an epic scale. Yeah. And indeed, I'm already to 30 within a week and a half. I love that. And do not intend to stop at any point in the future. I think burpees will be next, just oh, to torture myself. Hardcore, yes, I hate burpees, but yes. I, but again, very effective. But also that, right? I hate burpees. I don't want to do them. Yeah, you can do two. You can do five. You can do, whatever, you know, like something that doesn't feel daunting, where if the thought is like, oh, no, I know it's good, but hell, I don't want to. Just do one, two. You get bored when you meditate. Meditate for two minutes. Yeah. Just it's not even meditation just you slow down your breathing and do that do like mini habits i find them i think it's genius because you know i started with 10 because that seemed accessible yeah. but the very next day so, well let's do 12 right it's like and might now as well. i'm at 30 so i'll probably sit there for a bit just to yeah. get stronger and throw some burpees in and all sorts of crazy stuff get that kettlebell out that's been collecting dust for eons yep and it's just fantastic. I can tell that I'm feeling better already. And then incorporated other things. Um, projects that never seem to get done. 
15, yep. 20 minutes a day, Strawville Nation, to get that ready and rolling. I think somebody had the great idea to make a TikTok version of it initially. Right. Yep, yep. That works. And so when we get these next set, we finally get the Strawbales out in the next two, three weeks, just film it all. Right. And then build it into little tiny clips and then release it all at once and then just go from there. So and it's amazing how much you can get done. Especially if you turn your fucking phone off. We little, yeah. <laughs> I think like a key thing on that, that I think is the other side of the equation is that you start feeling really good. You do more, you do more. Now, however, doing more means you're also putting more time and energy into it. So you're reaping more out of it, but you're like, can you believe I got this far? And then you have a week where you're swamp wall to wall and you have no time. And often the ego is like, hey, I was doing 30 of these a day and now I'm down that I have time to do five. What the fuck? I don't even bother. That's That doesn't even feel like I'm doing anything anymore. It's like, no, do five. Five is still keeps yeah, your mind there. It's, lose it's that. still a habit, you know? I missed one day yeah. and was upset about it. Right. And I think that's the good, like... You're not trying to beat any record of anybody else or even your own. It, you're trying to be consistent with something that's held in a small amount. And if the small amount has to decrease for a while, that's totally fine. Nobody's saying, and least of all, you should be saying to yourself, oh, this sucks because I was doing so much more the past week. Why now I have only have time or energy for no, this little? I'm not going to shame myself. Nope. Just get down there and... Who doesn't, who doesn't have 90 seconds? Who doesn't have four minutes? Exactly. Exactly. For that, little things. I think that's the thing. And so it's like, okay, you brought it up to 20 minutes, but now you don't have 20 minutes energy or time-wise. Totally fine. Go back to 90 seconds. That's still good. Amazing. Yeah, because it's like, otherwise so often we... Oh, what's the use? Yeah, and, and because we feel guilty, right? It's like, if I can deliver this result, which sometimes you can't always deliver, right? then might as well not do it. And it's like, no, 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 no. The, the stuff that makes you great is doing one. Uh, doing 100 is fantastic, but doing one is what separates you from doing zero, which is the big, big difference when you pick up any habit yeah that 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 line that you gave that may be the new pool for, for the front of the show that you know the difference between zero and one is way more than the difference between one and 200 it's a big one you know something clicked with me <laughs> me too <laughs> i don't know what the hell happened like i really don't know because it's not like i haven't known this forever but somehow for some reason something went click and uh so I decided, I'd already decided it before, but never followed through with the Caravaggio novel. You know, I started writing in late 2020, got maybe 17,000 words in. I felt great. I got to a different juncture in the story and I felt unprepared to go forward, even though I had a full outline. Started finding good excuses, but, you know, history on fire, teaching college, this, that, I don't have time. Didn't touch it for nine months, 10 months. Then I got another 13,000 words in. And the same thing. I got to another point and I stopped for another six months. And now I started again and I was like, 
going really hard on this idea that's what we are talking about of like don't do much do 500 words a day 500 words a day is like a page and a half you can get that through and if you don't do 500 do 200 words a day but do something right where maybe there's the day you have to skip you do 400 the next day but you know try to do something where every week there's forward movement yep. and for some reason no idea why it clicked this time where now I don't really see stopping. Like I feel like, no, I I think I got how this game works. I have, uh, every day I sit there, crank out some, and um, I've made a ton of progress. I think I'm like at 55, 56,000 words total. So I'm like, before the end of the year, I can finish this damn book. So I'm, uh, it's part, actually, it's, part one of two books on the topic because I realized turns out I have a lot to say about being uh, Italian with questionable relationship with legality being overly sensitive and having PTSD but uh, <laughs> turns out uh, so I, it's going to be two books but the first one can be done before the end of the year and I'm like yeah all I got to do is like 10,000 words a month which is less than 500 words a day do you find sometimes when you do find those pauses that maybe your brain's just churning a little bit trying to yeah. get the next thing figured out and then solves the problem maybe not nine months worth of it but but it pauses one day two days right that's fine not months you know that's not the pause but yeah the other day too is like i terrible focus all day so i'm doing other things i have to do i didn't do shit until 8 30 p.m comes around i haven't written one line and I take the dog for a walk and I'm suddenly I'm like really determined, like, come on, man, you just do something. It doesn't have to be a lot. And I'm walking with the dog and I have to pull out my phone and start recording because ideas start flowing like crazy on where I want to go next. And so I'm recording my voice to have something that by the time I come home, I still have them all. And then I started writing at 9 p.m., wrote till 1 a.m. and got 2,000 words in. Nice. And I was just like, machine-like. And uh, man, it felt good. It felt really good. Like, I've been wanting to write fiction for so damn long, and I'm almost 50, and I've never published a fiction thing that I wanted to do, so I'm really damn excited about this. Like, it makes me happy. It makes me feel good when I get it done. When you're talking about the ideas popping in, do you have to write it linear or can you be like this will be a great chapter and this one's in mind so i will take care of this right now but that seems like that could be that what i've done uh, for years in the past right it's like i thought about writing this for many years and so every so often a scene would pop up right and i would jot that down so by the time i started writing the book i had pages and pages and pages of notes and so they are already organized with you know some stuff happens early some stuff happens later then there are some things where i kind of know the plot but i don't have a great scene there and that's where i would sometimes get stuck because i'm like oh it's not already i just have to put it in words i kind of have to figure out how i want to do this but i don't know there's a level of i think it's confidence that kicked in where i'm like you know what it's gonna work out Whatever you write, maybe it's not the best thing you've ever done, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be pretty good, and it gets 
the forward momentum and then because there's going to be an edit anyway five so. pages later you're going to be at a place where you're happy with and yeah. then you and so i run with that and man it's feeling great i'm, uh, I'm having a really good time with that wow so everybody needs to find 30 minutes in their day yeah. to look away from facebook and all that stuff turn yeah. it all off and do something for you or do yeah. three things for you yeah 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 and they build they sure do they sure do. It's, um, yeah, because ultimately, what the hell do you want to invest time and energy with other than you? You know, stuff that makes you happy. Because then if you are happy, then you're probably going to be a much nicer human beings to the people around you. You're going to be nicer to your kids, to the your friends, to people you're in a relationship with. It's because you are in a better place, you know. So, yeah, kind of hard to find... Uh, better worthy things to put your time and energy in but if you do have 30 minutes what's up i know you know what i'm about to talk about reservation dogs is back yeah have you watched have you seen it? them yet i saw the first okay don't give up okay because the third is one of the best ones they've ever made really yeah okay, okay. so hang in there okay i good. felt the same way yeah i uh you guys know, like I love. Uh, we had the Sterling on Reservation Dogs. Uh, Dogs was absolutely my favorite show last year. The beginning of season two um, struggled a little because you know one of the genius moves of Reservation Dogs was combining some dramatic things but with some fantastic humor. Yeah, and I felt that the drama was still there, the humor not, and so I was struggling a bit through the beginning of the new season but you're telling me episode three so yeah because the spirit's out telling the boys it's time for them to get a job and be a man okay okay and bear gets a job roofing and he ends up working with um their friend's father mm -hmm. the friend that kills himself's father and it's an amazing episode sweet i look forward to that yeah i have hope i did notice uh Takaiwa Titi's name seems to be all over it now. And it wasn't like that. I don't remember being no, like that. No, I think that. it was. Wasn't it? We just didn't notice it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why it got made. I'm sure it's why it got made. But yeah. it's like, you know, I guess that's a selling point too. Yeah, yeah. Big just time director. Put the name on and and go forward. Yeah, um, well, that gives me hope. I'm yeah. pleased. On the other hand, I saw, um, did you watch Prey? No, but we're going to. Is it fun? It's so much fun. Yeah. So what a genius idea. Yeah. It's like the first visit of the Predators, right? First visit of the Predators set in 1715 among I the Comanche. love it. <laughs> so there's <laughs> they this... They uh, picked badly. Comanche woman who was... Uh, it's it's such a good... It really is well done. It's shot beautifully. There's some of the native life. It's... Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Incidentally, the lead in the movie is a good friend of our... Former guest, multiple guest, Mark Chang. I saw him at the premiere with her. Really? He went, yeah, they're friends. He's friends of the family and stuff. So with her dad. Is this her big, got to be her first big star Yeah, role, I mean, right? she has done other stuff, but this is, she's the lead, you know. That's, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, in a big movie. So that's. Uh, it's funny, the movies, are, uh, it's going to be a supply chain issue with movies. Because the summer hasn't exactly been packed. You know, summer's yeah, gone yeah, past. There'll be a big movie every yeah. week. And it's been like one every three weeks. But um, they're kind of out. Like Avatar's going to come. Like, I don't remember anybody ordering new Avatars. But they made four of them. Jesus. And the first one comes out in December. But between now and then, not a lot. On the other end, TV. 
yeah. it's gonna be nuts because they have the prequel to Game of Thrones comes yep. out in these days. They have the the Lord of the Rings thing, zillion dollar Lord of the Rings thing with Amazon. Like now, both of those could turn out to be utter and complete crap, but maybe not. Maybe they are great, or maybe they are somewhere in between. So I'm just if one of them is good. It'll yeah, be I'm excited to just check them out. Have you seen the show The Bear? I have not. It's basically this guy who's a genius chef who left Chicago. His brother kills himself and leaves the family's just beef sandwich shop. Mm -hmm. So he returns to put it in order. And we'll just leave it there. Incredibly enjoyable. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, man. So, yeah, it's... um, That too is like some people, uh, the hustle crowd if you listen to a lot of people are all like what are you doing uh, watching netflix you should be working on your masterpiece right now from the second you get out of your shitty job at 6 p.m to 1 a.m and that's how you got photo now don't get me wrong commitment goes a long way of course if you put a lot of time but you also got to live and sometime having a yeah, if you are flipping channels or going from one thing to another on Netflix eight hours a day, yeah, you got a problem. No, but eight hours is ridiculous. But time, like 90, 90 minutes, minutes yeah, two hours maybe. It's like taking a little vacation yeah. where your mind is refreshed. If you watch something that's fun or going for a long walk or something where it just it shakes the energy up. Where even in terms of pro- not only enjoying life, but even in terms of productivity, it actually can help you. Yep. Because you shook things up and your brain is fresh and you look at things with different eyes by the time you come back. Reservation Dogs and the Bear are both 30 minutes too. So yeah, those are You don't got quick. to sit down and tear yeah. so That's fantastic. A friend of mine uh, was post-supervisor on the Sandman show. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed those comics back in the day. I don't know if you ever read those. But Neil Gaiman, yep. super talented. Yep. What a writer he is. And they've just reached a point where the technology is at a point where they get it right. Mm-hmm. And it's been, that's pretty fun too. Yep. 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 So there's all your TV recommendations for yes. the week. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it light. How are we doing with time? We are at 47 minutes and nine seconds. Okay. Let's see. Shall we push a little more? Then? Yeah, there's got to be one more think. thing to talk about. Got uh, Res Dogs. Oh, so since we're going on to TV thing, have you watched, uh, um, I always want to call it Sex, Death, and Robots. Oh, yeah. not Love, Death, and Robots. Um, it's an interesting concept because it's, if you guys haven't watched it, they have done by now, I think, three seasons, yeah. and they are all uh, fairly short. They yeah. go anywhere from five minutes to maybe 20 or something. That's about the range. Maybe slightly over some time, but typically they are short things. The one about the rats is indeed fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, you got to see that one. Yeah, because in fact, we did talk about it in a previous episode briefly. Yeah. But I really like the concept of uh, animation, in tiny bites and it's self-contained each episode is its own thing it's yep. uh its own look its own style characters completely different from the next yep and to do a dive where you just dive into this one story right at the point of action follow it for 15 20 minutes and you have to tell essentially a movie in 15 minutes i dig it and never mind the animation is insane. It's uh, Some of oh, it looks some like... Some is photorealistic. The one yeah. about the crazy Indian goddess or anything in the lake. Have yeah, you seen yeah, that yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Wild. Some of them are 
really wild. And the one about the crab monster in the boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I They're... found that really great, too. Okay, That's the, David Fincher. The only thing I don't like, yep. which seems like a big thing to say, the only thing I don't like is uh, the plot. <laughs> I find that, like, it's too the robots part, I guess, is the sci-fi horror vibe. Yeah. Could not care less for the most part. Like, occasionally there's one that I really dig, but not my style. But I'm thinking more than for what it is, I'm thinking at that show for what it can be in terms of other stories. Like... If the plots will revolve around things that I cared about more or I feel they speak more my language, I would be in heaven with the format. I already like it with plots I don't care for. I can only imagine if I would actually care for the plots. So, so the animated Caravaggio cannot be far away. Exactly, point, right? Which or, would be pretty cool. Yeah, so um, I don't know. There, There's definitely potential for 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 what they are doing with it. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant... I'm sure it's expensive as hell. All animation is. And this one, they did not spare money, that's for sure. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. If you're making Game of Thrones, that's pretty damn expensive already, so... There's a crazy new thing called... Well, not new, really. Mad God. Phil Tippett, I believe is his name. He's a guy that went back to, like, Star Wars days for stop-motion animation. He spent 30 years making this masterpiece jesus and kind of disjointed and weird but a lot of people love it. it's definitely going to be a, a cult favorite but 90 minutes of crazy stop motion animation squared somewhere in hell wow and just madness which is funny because if you spend that long doing animation you know you're three years in and the technologies change everything oh, yeah. so you have to throw everything away and redo it in a new style cause... i think he just sort of kept that old look to it i haven't seen it yet but i've seen some clips of it just, really just amazing just the dedication though yeah, yeah 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 well think about that you know th we spent six weeks on this and we got two minutes yeah no it's uh but it's usually worth it in the end. Did you ever watch when you were, I guess, a kid? I don't know. How, did they make it? I forgot how long. Maybe it was the 70s. I can't remember. Did you watch um, a very early Lord of the Rings? that they The cartoon? Made, uh, yeah. Oh, animated yeah. in maybe the 80s, maybe the 70s. Yeah. It was uh, a strip. It wasn't bad, actually. No. It was really well done for... And they packed a lot into it. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they stopped... Uh, they didn't go through the whole trilogy. They went through like what would be like book one or book two at most, yep. something like that. Yep. I remember that. That was quite awesome. Yeah. There's yeah. also an, another fellow that tried to do Dune in the 70s uh -huh. with like H.R. Geiger designing yeah. things, and he was a madman. And it never worked, but boy, they spilled a bunch of money into it and a lot of cool concept art. It, it would have been wild. Right. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's interesting to see where technology is going in terms of what's possible. What Ooh, it's creates. getting terrifying, all this virtual stuff. Yeah. That's a true danger. Oh, yeah. What I happens mean, when everybody's got glasses on with augmented reality around them at all times. So we're in a schizophrenic, digitally provided mad world. Yeah, I mean... Even something as basic as Love, That, and Robots, there are scenes where you are, some episode, the ultra-realistic ones, you don't know if you're looking at actors or not. Yeah, it's amazing. And you're not, but you feel like you are. Yeah. And you're like, how is this not a person? You know? It's, it's really crazy. In any case. Yeah. Born at the right time, I think. I think we got lucky. Yeah. Coming in the 70s, so we're clearly analog. Yep, yep. able to sort of understand the digital but will never be fully digital right and that's okay 
yeah, yeah. I, um, I'll give you my last anecdote for this, but like when I was nine is uh, the first time um, I got a VCR. And um, I still remember it. We are recording off TV that they were showing on TV Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first movie ever we are recording on a, on a VHS. And like, I haven't said one word, which is not unusual because unlike I see in US, people tend to chat during, especially if you're at home, you chat during movies, you get up, you do this, you do that. The way I grew up, it was like the moment you play a movie, you sit down, you don't say one word, yeah. you never get up, uh, you it's a sacred thing, right? So you're just 100% attention to what's going on on the screen. So it wasn't that unusual, but like at one point, like 40, 50 minutes in, my dad said something to me and I was like, what are you doing? Because in my mind, I was used to uh, audio recorders that you would press record and they would pick up every noise in the room. So (laughs) I thought that recording on VHS meant that it picks up every noise that's happening in the room. So you only need the audio from what's happening on TV. Otherwise, you get your voice over it. And he was laughing his ass off. He was like, no, that's not how it works. But That first VCR was a big deal for sure. And we waited for a bit. And there weren't even video stores at that point. Just something that people would never understand I, how I, poker chips and video stores work together. I but. think I told you how my uh, Elon Musk ambitions were crushed by my dad when uh, we got our first VCR. Hardly anybody in Italy had it. It was because uh, people, you know, Italy tends to be not the fastest on innovation. And, uh, and so I was like, wouldn't it be an amazing idea if somebody opened a store where you can rent the VHS, where then you can take them home and watch them at home, like a movie, but in your house, and then you bring it back. And my dad was like, how many people do you know who have a VCR? Like, three? It's like, of course, there's not going to be a market for this. This is for people (laughs) who are crazy, who watch the same movie 50 times like we do, but nobody's going to... Jesus, kids and their stupid ideas. Who would ever... And I was like, motherfucker, I invented Blockbuster before it existed <laughs> and you crash my genius business idea. What was fun was like the early ones that weren't the Blockbusters yet. It would always be some oh, yeah. cinephile and it was yeah, yeah. his, definitely leaned in his direction of his favorite stuff. Of course. And uh, yeah, and the little shops were always the best, especially college. Those were a great time for that. Yeah, yeah We yeah. saw so many things we never would have seen. But yeah, I think nothing is so... You would go to the movies and you'd see it that one time. That'd be it. Yep. And it would be a wild thing to actually go see something twice. Movies, though, they did back then. They would, uh, popular movies, or sometimes not even that popular, but like they would do this thing where they would bring back old movies. Like I remember as a kid, my dad would take me, they would have uh, maybe at 4 p.m. before they do the new releases in the evening they do westerns and so they show every western from the 50s and 60s for two months every day at 4 p.m there's a different one and people who are into it would be like yeah let's go watch the western and maybe you were watching for the fourth time by then because they do it every other year or something but uh, that was fun yeah they're doing a good bit of showing old like close encounters is going to run again for a couple days and i don't think i ever had seen that in the theater it's all on tv right 
I saw Jaws on the TV for the first time. Yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. little back then. Exactly. Still scary. Oh, man. Still worried about the ocean. Yes. Don't go into water. No, I'll take jellyfish over sharks every trip of the train. Yeah. All the way. I think that's it. Sweet. Funky music means one thing. It's the end of another fine episode, a very relaxing, calm episode. We're trying to keep it a little more mellow these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very important. Fairs, concerts, the olden times. It was fantastic. The good stuff to keep you in a good mood. Yeah. So go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! All right, let's go to rehearsal. We'll roll on this one. Oh, God.